Bible this morning, I would like you to turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 1. Gospel of John, fourth gospel, fourth book of the New Testament, and uh, chapter 1. I shared last week, again, we, we, have, we have seen uh, a number of people pass away. My grandmother passed away uh, the week before last. Her, her funeral was this Monday, and on, uh, on Friday we had Jerry Miles' funeral here at the church, and next, next uh, Wednesday we're going to be celebrating the life of, of Edie Wilt, and these are hard times, aren't they? And, and yet, I, while I have been reminded of the pain of death, I have never been more thankful for eternal life. I am so grateful for eternal life. I was commenting to someone earlier this morning how, how w- 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 unless Jesus returns in our lifetime, all of us are going to die. We, we are very aware of that. And yet, there are so many people right now who do not know that there's anything beyond this life. They do not know, uh, they cannot have that peace with God because they've not yet met Him. And I'm, I'm just reminded of, of, of how important this message is this morning. I'll say more about that here in a few moments. But I thank God for eternal life in Jesus Christ and in Him alone. Well, you're there in John chapter 1. For a number of weeks, we have been in a series of messages that we have been calling Get Serious. Get Serious. And uh, it, we, we have been, we've been looking at different things that, that we need to get serious about. That in challenging times, which we are in, in fact, always have been in, for there are always challenges. It's just that we're going through some together right now. But there have always been challenges. And in challenging times, we need to get serious about many things. There are some things that we have grown perhaps apathetic about. There are some things that perhaps we have neglected or de-emphasized, and and we need to say, all right, what what is it that we are all about? As followers of Jesus Christ, as people who are acutely aware of our mortality, what do we need to be serious about? So we've looked at these various things. I I think this is about eighth or ninth uh, message in this series, and you can go back and listen to them or watch them uh, prior to this. This morning, this final message in this series, I'm calling Getting Serious About Our Purpose. Our purpose. Another way that you could put that is our reason for being. What is your reason for being? What What is the meaning, the central meaning to your life? We need to get serious about our purpose. So John chapter 1 is where you're ready to read from. John chapter 1 is largely about the incarnation of Jesus Christ. That's a big word. What does the incarnation of Jesus Christ mean? Well, incarnate or incarnation, uh, those of you who are uh, Spanish speaking, you know that the word carne means flesh. The incarnation of Jesus means when we're talking about God coming and living among us in the flesh. 
God came and lived among us in the flesh, uh, in, in the person of Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity. We're about to begin celebrating that uh, here, as is our custom, uh, during the Christmas season. We call it the incarnation. God coming and dwelling among us as a man. In John chapter 1, talks about the incarnation of Jesus Christ. It does not give the specific details of Jesus' birth. You will not find that here. You can read the whole chapter, and you're looking for, you may be looking for shepherds, and you may be looking for mangers, and, and, and wise men, and, and evil king hair. You won't find it here in John chapter 1. If you, want, if you want those details, you go to Mark's excuse me, to Matthew's gospel or to Luke's gospel. But here in John, he gives, John gives a, a cosmic, a cosmic explanation or a big picture understanding of the Son of God coming in human flesh. And it's in, cha it's in chapter 1, verse 12, that we are given the why, the why, the reason, the purpose that Jesus came, the purpose of the incarnation, why Jesus came as a human and then later on died on the cross and rose from the dead. Why did Jesus do what he did? Look at verses 12 and 13. It reads this way, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. I want you to notice particularly that line right in the middle where it says, He gave us the right to become children of God. He gave the right to become children of God. Man, you turn on the news Go to some news website and you're going to be hearing a lot about people's rights, some of them misguided, but you're going to hear a lot about people's rights. It says right here that Jesus came in the flesh, he died on the cross and rose from the dead to give us the right to be a child of God. That's not... That's not a civil right, that is a human right, that is an eternal right. God made it possible for us to become children of God. Hallelujah. I want you to notice that line. This means that if you have surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, we become a child of God. Now think of that. If you surrender your life, and it's very simple, you, you, you simply acknowledge your sin that you cannot fix yourself. You say, Lord, come into my heart and forgive my sins. I surrender my life to you. And if you say that, 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 that you believe that he died on the cross for you and that you believe that he rose from the dead for you, then a transformation begins within us. And in that moment, in that place of surrender... We become a child of God. And then he becomes the purpose of our life. For every person here this morning or listening who has surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, we have this in common. Jesus is at the center of our lives. He's at the center of our lives. 
If he is not at the very center, at the very core, peel everything else away. If he's not at the very core of your being, then I question whether you in fact do have a relationship with him. That's pretty strong. But that's what happens. Jesus becomes our purpose. Jesus becomes our reason for being. He becomes our identity. He becomes our why. Uh, the theme of a, a commoner or a, a nobody becoming royalty is that theme actually runs throughout literature. Uh, a couple of examples about, oh, I don't know, 150 years ago, a man named Mark Twain. Some of you have perhaps read The Prince and the Pauper, about a, about a kid in London who, who is mistaken and he becomes the, the, the crown prince. That's a great story. It, it sells lots of books because people thought, wow, wouldn't that be something to be a nobody and then become a, a prince? Some of you remember a few years ago, probably a dozen years or so ago, uh, there was a movie out. We, we watched it. Our daughter was pretty young at the time. And, 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 and The Princess Bride. Anybody have seen that movie? Remember that movie? Oh, it's a great... It, it was a fun movie because it's about a nobody becoming a, a princess. <laughs> I won't tell the whole story, but about, I don't know, a month ago, I, I, I was talking with Tim and uh, Tim Holmberg, and we, we were talking about something, and he said, oh, there's somebody I want you to meet. He lives down in Arizona. He says he's a missionary. He tells me about him. So I call this guy up, and I, I find out. I won't tell the whole story. There's a lot to it, but this, this missionary and his wife were traveling in Europe, and, and they, they went to a place. They found out his wife's last name. They were shocked, and, and, and they said, we need to meet with you, and they brought in the city fathers, and they said, you're what, that's your name? And she said, yes, here's my, this is a true story. Here's my ancestry. And, and, and they found out, they thought that the royal line of that nation was dead, that they had died a couple of hundred years ago, but they didn't know about this one uncle who, who went to America and, and had descendants. And, and it finds out she is, the, this missionary's wife, is the next in line, or the, 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 the last person at this point, the last person in line for a royal family. In, and they, they said, oh, by the way, this palace over here, that's yours. How cool is that? True story. You'd ask Tim Holmberg. He's friends of theirs. This guy wants to meet with me because he says, yeah, we, we're, we're missionaries and we want to do something together. So I think I may be taking a short little trip down to Arizona because yeah, that's what, you know, the royal family lives in Arizona, right? You know, we get this, this image of people who, who are nobodies and suddenly become a somebody because, oh, now they find out that they're an heir. It's, it's, it's all throughout literature. It's Great story. Sometimes true. But it is true of you. Now you're going, oh, that's different. No, it's, in fact, it's even better. Because do you know that all the kings and kingdoms of this earth will pass away, but we serve a king who will reign forever. And when you gave your life to him, you became a child of God. Glory to God. Now, I don't know about you, but that's pretty cool. I don't get an inflated view of myself. It's just that because he is at the very center of my being, when I gave my life to him, when you gave your life to him, something happened and you became an heir of the king of kings 
and the Lord of Lords. He gave us the right to become children of God. He becomes our purpose in life. He becomes our identity. Listen, you can put a, 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 a you can put a, 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 a political affiliation before or after your name. You can put a title before or after your name. You can, you can put a number, uh, uh, an amount of money that you're worth before or after your name. You can call yourself this. You can, you can say, oh, I'm of this group or this ethnicity or I speak this language and that's all fine. What I'm saying is there's something that is beyond that and that is we are children of God. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are a child of God, and you are my brother, you are my sister, all because of it. He becomes our identity. He becomes our reason for being. So therefore, what you do and where you live and the choices you make are all affected because you are now in him. If Jesus is at the center of your life, then that relationship determines everything else. He becomes our purpose. He becomes the, the central person in our lives. And yet, I've seen it, you've seen it, we've done it, yet we can try to find our purpose in other places. We can find our, to try to find our meaning in other things, in other pursuits. If our purpose in life, I... I I point this one out or these ones out because they are such common pursuits for so many people and a temptation to all of us. But if our purpose in life is to obtain some object or to amass some level of wealth, I know that our purpose can be beyond those. It's just that those two are extremely common. If I can just get this one thing or this number of things or this collection of things or if I can just get to this certain level of wealth, those can become our purpose in life. But I warn you, if those become our purpose, then we will be deeply disappointed because one of two things will happen. Either we will fail to obtain that thing or to amass that level and will be unfulfilled or we will obtain it, or we will amass it, and we will still be unfulfilled. Why? Because that purpose in life, that reason for being, is not sustainable. We enjoy it, but we only enjoy it for a time. We've all experienced this. I mean, really, who among us here this morning, who among us that are listening today, who among us has not worked or longed for something special, and then when we finally receive it, the delight fades so quickly? Man, you, you, you work so hard for it. You, you, you yearn so much for it. You, you plan so much for it. Then it arrives, and you're going, yeah, it's nice, but yeah, it just doesn't measure. It's not sustainable. Uh, please don't misunderstand. I have a number of things. You have a number of things. I'm not putting things down. I'm simply saying, if that's our purpose in life, we got a real problem because it's not going to satisfy. That's where so many people are. I worked for a lifetime for this, and I've got this bitter aftertaste. It just didn't satisfy. Mark chapter 8. Jesus said, what profit is there? Or what gain is there 
If a person could even inherit the entire world and everything in it and then lose their soul. What was Jesus saying? If you get everything else, but Jesus is not, and and the Lord is not at the core of our being, then what good is it? We could amass kingdoms. We could receive everything that we ever wanted, but it won't be enough if Jesus is not at the very center of our being. And yet if our identity, our reason for being, our purpose in life, if it is not found in a possession but in in the person of Jesus Christ, then we will never be disappointed. Um, I, I gave my life to Christ a very, very long time ago. And that relationship... That fulfillment, that purpose in my life is the one thing that has never disappointed. He's never, I've never, it's, it's, a, it's a decision that I've never regretted. It is a decision that has never failed me. It is a sustainable fulfillment because everything else passes away, but Jesus does not pass away. For many people, their pleasure, whatever form it takes, but their pleasure becomes their purpose in life, their reason for being. That too is unsustainable and ultimately damaging. I, I warn you with that as well, if, if, if that next thrill, if that feeling, if that escape, if that becomes our purpose in life, our reason for being, our, our reason to keep going, it too is not sustainable. It too will fail. One of the reasons that this year, this year, 2020, and boy, if you're old enough to remember all the points of this year, and most of you are because the, the kids are, are elsewhere, but boy, every one of us is going to remember this year as a, as a very fascinating, in many respects, challenging year. But one of the reasons that this year has been particularly hard, I think, on so many people, and I'm not talking just here or those listening, but I mean in our, in our nation and around the world, one of the reasons it's been particularly hard on people is because their reason for being, their purposes in life have been threatened or destroyed. That's why this, is, this year has been so hard on so many. It's because the thing that they were living for is now gone. The thing that they thought they held on to is gone. That person who they, they wrapped their world around is perhaps gone or threatened. And, and people are really shaken up. And, and they're saying, well, then, then if, if, if those things aren't there and they don't fulfill or, or, or they're leaving me wanting, then, then, then where's the hope? That's why this year has been so hard on so many. What they thought was important has been proven powerless or meaningless or elusive. But I want you to listen to this. This is from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9, and it reads this way. It's written to Christians, and it says this. So we make it our goal to please Him. We make it our goal to please Him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. In other, at home in the body. In, in other words, whether we're living or we're dying, whether we're alive or dead, It is our objective, our goal, to be pleasing to Him. That word, or the words, our goal, can also and has also been translated our objective, or our ambition, or our aim. Hear me. 
please hear me on this. If your life's goal is to pursue your own pleasures, you will end up indescribably miserable. See, that's what happens when we think that the objective is our pleasures. You will have it for a time, but it will leave you not just empty, it will leave you broken if you pursue simply your pleasures. But if your life's goal is, as it says here in 2 Corinthians, to please Him, you will have more joy in this life than you can possibly imagine. Milbert's shaking his head. Milbert, how old are you? 96. That's a long time. I mean, the guy's older than Ritz crackers. I mean, that is old. That was not in my notes, Milbert. I didn't know that this was going to happen today. Listen to a 96-year-old man who met Jesus in his 50s. Jesus is at the center of his life. Jesus is going to remain at the center of his life until his dying breath. But more than that, Jesus is at the center of his life for all of eternity. That's what happens when we surrender our lives to Christ. If our life's goal is to please ourselves, it, it becomes meaningless. We're left with destruction. But if our life's goal is to please him... Again, you'll have more joy in this life than you can possibly imagine. Oh, there's going to be some challenges. But there's joy in pleasing Him. Lord, what is it that will please you? I mean, we, I, could, I could preach for a couple more weeks just on that. In Matthew chapter 25, you can turn there in your Bibles. In Matthew 25, um, we're given a glimpse into the future. I like looking into the future. I really do. I'm not talking about, you know, some hokey thing, you know, some astrologer, some stupid evil stuff like that. I'm talking about what the Bible says is going to happen in our future. And um, we're given a glimpse into the future of what awaits the child of God in heaven. In other words, if you've received Christ, you're a child of God, and we have a glimpse of what's going to await us in heaven. And I look forward to that. Uh, here in Matthew chapter 25, this is actually a part of a parable. A parable is a story Jesus told to communicate to people an eternal truth. It's part of a parable, but I, I believe it's also recorded to show us what Jesus will say when we finish this earthly race. Matthew chapter 25, verse 23 reads this way. Jesus will say, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. I love that. Well done. Can Picture yourself someday when we arrive in heaven, however that is or whenever that is. <laughs> But when we arrive in heaven, think of this, you stand before the throne of God and I promise you on that day you will not be in awe of the golden streets or the pearly gates. You will be fixed on the face of Jesus. That's going to be the best. He's going to be the best person to see in heaven. 
Nothing else will compare. But imagine yourself standing before him and hearing these words, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. To hear him say those words will make it all worth it. If he's at the center of your life, if he's the purpose of your life, if he's the the reason for your being. What is your purpose in life? What is your, don't don't shout it out, but just just ask yourself, what is your purpose in life? Have you you chosen some meaningless purpose that, that will only carry you so far and then you'll go, is that it? Or is your purpose in life to know him, to please him? to make him known to other people. You can do a lot of things for vocation. You can live in any place as far as location, but to be in right relation with him, that's everything. It's everything. There's a book. I love books. I read a lot. There's a book that's titled Man's Search for Meaning. It's not a Christian book. It's an old book. It's probably uh, been in print for about 70 years. It was written by a man named Viktor Frankl. Viktor Frankl lived in a, in a particularly difficult uh, time and place. He lived in German-occupied Austria, the nation right next or right below Germany, and, and, and in the 1930s, Germany annexed it under the Nazi regime, annexed, took over Austria, and that nation, Viktor Frankl's nation, became occupied in the 1930s and the 1940s. Under the Nazi regime, Viktor Frankl, because, because he was Jewish, he, he lost his job. Brilliant man, very educated man. He lost his job as a teaching professor when they found out that he was Jewish. Um, Therefore, he lost his income. It was a good income, but he lost it. His wife, when it was found out that she was expecting a child because that child uh, had been conceived by a Jewish man, uh, his wife was forced to have an abortion. uh, Then following that, he was imprisoned in two different Nazi concentration camps from 1942 until 1945, one of them being Auschwitz, arguably the most infamous of the many, many hundreds of concentration camps. His wife and both parents died in the camps. Uh, in, in, the, in those two camps, he endured uh, starvation, and disease, and an absolute exhaustion from forced being used in forced labor. Uh, Victor Frankl, in those camps, saw things that no people should see. But, but through that ordeal, he writes in this book, Man's Search for Meaning, through that ordeal, this, this brilliant psychoanalyst who, before his imprisonment, had been on the cutting edge of suicide prevention in Austria, observed that often what made the difference in people living or dying in the camps 
with the exception of those who were just immediately sent to the gas chambers. But those who were working, those who were laboring in the camps, he said the difference between those who lived and those who died was not whether they had Usually, whether they had enough nutrition or not, or, or, or even if they were diseased, he said what made the difference was if they had a purpose to move forward, if they had a purpose to live, if there was something that they looked to beyond the depravity and the suffering of this present day, if they had a purpose to move forward, if they had a purpose to live, often they, they survived. Didn't thrive, but they survived because they had a meaning to go on living. As I mentioned a few moments ago, purpose is so important. The problem is, and Frankel Frankel did not go into this in his book, that any other purpose will eventually come up against a hard wall over which you cannot pass. For the purpose of any, any other purpose only has a time limit to it or a distance limit to it. But for the follower of Jesus Christ, we know that he gives us hope for this life, but also for the life to come. One of the most powerful scriptures, in fact, some of you have memorized it. It's very easy to memorize. It's It's Paul writing from prison, probably realizing that his time is not long. Paul wrote this in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21. Paul wrote this, for to me to live is Jesus Christ and to die is to gain. Let me say it again. He said, for to me to to live is Jesus Christ and to die is to gain. I paraphrase. My purpose in life is to live for him and to please him. But if I die, glory to God, I gain because then I go to be with him. Do you see the difference? There's a purpose. What is it that keeps us going? When times are difficult, when family and friends are hurting and when they're broken and and when the days are long and when you don't know what, what this day holds, I'll tell you what keeps you going is knowing that Jesus Christ is your Lord, that you're a child of the King and that there's hope for tomorrow and there's eternal life beyond this life. Glory to God. That's why we keep going. For to me to live is Christ and to die is to gain. We are living in challenging times, to be sure. Oh, we are living in challenging times. The obvious and the not so obvious. This pastor of you precious people, many who are here, many who are listening, I am acutely aware of some of the things that you're going through. And it's not just because of an election or because of a societal change or because of of a disease that is out there. 
Oh, there are some of you that are going through things that no one else knows about. And to be quite honest, there are so many things that you are going through that I don't know about. We're living in challenging times. I know that what we're going through maybe cannot be compared to a, the horrors of a, of a concentration camp. But for many people in our world today, for many people in our world today, their purposes in life and their meanings in life and their reasons for being are being eroded and exposed and they're being washed away. There are people who in our world just are living day to day with hopelessness. And this is why the message of Jesus Christ is so important. Someone asked me just two weeks ago, they said, man, this is such a difficult time to live. I immediately replied back, I am so glad I'm living right now because what an opportunity. People are reminded of their mortality they're reminded of the futility of life outside of Christ. And we have the message of Jesus Christ. It's never been more important. It's, never, it's, it's not more powerful than it ever was because the gospel has always been powerful. It's always been powerful. But people are needing it more because their, their meanings and their purposes are dying. But we have the answer. His name is Jesus. People are looking for hope. People are looking for answers, and we have the answer. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. Lord, Lord, in these moments, in these moments, remind us of our purpose. That if we are in you, you are our purpose. You are our meaning in life. You are the why. God, may we go out with that message. When we leave this place, Lord, may we know that we have you. Lord, if there would be anyone here this morning or anyone listening who does not yet have you at the very core of their being, I know, I know how it happens, Lord. I know how it happens. We simply say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive my sins. I believe that you died on the cross for me and you rose from the dead for me and that if I give my life to you, then I will become a child of God and I will live forever. Thank you. I pray that they, everyone here will have come into that relationship. Everyone listening. Thank you for what you've given us. And thank you for the strength that you give us for each day. When times are great, when times are difficult, when the sky is blue or when the sky is stormy, 
Lord, we put our trust in you and in you alone. In Jesus' name, amen. Joni asked me last night, she said, how would you like to close? And uh, I, I didn't have an answer, and I didn't until just a few minutes ago. I'd like you to stand, please. And uh, without any accompaniment other than our voices, it's a song that you may know. If you don't know it, you can learn it very quickly. I'll prompt you on the, on the words. But if you know it, would you, would you sing this song with me and declare this song with me? It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Life's trials, life's trials will seem so small when we see Christ. When we see Christ, one glimpse of His dear face, all sorrows will erase. So bravely run the race till we see Christ, till we see Christ. Sing it out. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. When we see Jesus. Life's trials will seem so small. Life's trials will seem so small. When we see Christ. When we see Christ. One glimpse of His dear face. One glimpse of His dear face. All sorrow will erase all sorrow will erase. So bravely run the race. So bravely run the race till we see Christ. I thank you for the race, Lord. I thank you that you've called us to run it. I thank you that, you, that, we're, that we're running not towards our own pursuits, our own purposes, our own meanings, but we're running towards you and we will be fulfilled. Lord, when we get to the end of this race, hallelujah, a new journey begins. And it's a journey, a race, a, 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 an excitement, an experience that will last forever. And I thank you. Lord, I ask for your strength upon my brothers and sisters, for your encouragement to my brothers and sisters, for your anointing on my brothers and sisters to share this good news for which people are looking and longing and some of them don't even know it yet. What a responsibility we have in the time that we have left before your return or before we see you face to face in death. We thank you, Lord. I ask your favor upon us now, and we love you. In Jesus' name, if you believe it, say amen. 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 God bless you. Go in the presence and in the power and in the purpose of the Lord Jesus Christ this morning.